Hello again, everybody. Jeremy Fennec here, and it's time for another classic conversation. As always, uh, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Hit the website, jeremyfennec.com. Uh, subscribe to the podcast as well. Always good to have you on board. On the line right now, Mark Summers. Hello, Mark. How are you, sir? I'm doing quite well. How are you guys doing today? <laughs> doing fantastic. So cool to have you here on the show. Now, of course, uh, you've got many, many fans from many, many different things. You've uh, you've got your fingers in so many projects. Of course, I grew up with you uh, on Double Dare back uh, in the old days. And, of course, uh, now my kids love Double Dare just as much. And I'll be honest with you, Mark, when I heard that you weren't going to be the host, oh, I was a little crushed inside. But then as soon as the show started, I recognized your voice instantly. And uh, if they got to replace Harvey, hey, no better guy than you, man. How much fun is that to be back on the air with Double Dare? Well, I'm having a ball. You know, I'm, I'm exec producing it, so I still have a lot of space. So forgive the noise. I'm uh, walking uh, in Southern California in, uh, in the middle of uh, a concrete jungle. But uh, nonetheless, <laughs> Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm actively involved in every part of the show, which is great. And I think they did a smart idea bringing on, uh, an influencer. You know, when they first told me we're hiring an influencer to host the show, I said, I have no idea what that even means. (laughs) Uh, so, uh, you know, that's a whole other world going on out there, but Liza's doing a fantastic job and we have a great rapport together, but on the road, it's all Mark all the time with my, uh, old assistant Robin. And so we're out doing it. We're doing a 70 city tour. Uh, we leave again. Uh, let's see, first week of May, and we're doing another 15. We will have completed 45 of these things by the end of May, and then we'll take the summer off and go back out in the fall. But we have more adults come to this thing than kids, it seems like, because they want to relive their childhood. <laughs> Absolutely. That's why I'm going to be in the crowd. I'm not lying. <laughs> so, Which is great. Let me ask great. you this. Here's a fun question, because... You know, my wife and I were talking, and uh, I, I, 25 years in radio, I've interviewed a lot of people, and I thought to myself, boy, who would be fun for me to go seeking out? And you, you made my list, because I'm a huge game show geek, uh, through and through, classics, the new stuff, and I really feel like you're that bridge between the old days, where everyone was in a suit and tie and nice shoes and everything like that. Were you the first game show host ever to wear sneakers? I believe that would be a correct statement, sir. Um, yeah, I would wear the jacket and tie, but uh, Reeboks, and it sort of set a whole different tone than uh, what Barker and you know Gene Rayburn and all those guys were doing back in the day. What's your favorite game show, by the way, since you're a game show geek? I would have to say Family Feud. Because? Well, I grew up uh, Ray Combs. I remember Ray Combs first. Then, okay. of course, you go back and you watch the Richard Dawson and everything like that. It's like the first game show I remember watching. I'd watch it all the time with my grandma, and we would just laugh and laugh and laugh. I don't know what it was. It just seemed like the, the, the answers that these people would give, because it's not a factual... It's not like a Jeopardy where there's a right and wrong answer. I think I like that, seeing what they would come up with. It was just always a mystery, and, and always those silly answers... You can't go wrong with some of those silly answers. There was always a lot of comedy. You know, Ray Combs is, uh, well, Cincinnati area, but he was working for a relative of mine in Indiana selling furniture, believe it or not. And he decided he was going to come to the West Coast and make his fame and fortune. And uh, the, the bond between us was Dave Letterman. So he called Letterman and said, what should I do? And he said, well, Mark Summers is doing a bunch of warm-ups. Why don't you call him? So Ray called me, and he started up. I was doing warm-ups on Soap and Star Search and Alice and What's Happening Now and a bunch of shows like that. Next thing I know, Ray's doing warm-ups, and then uh, we both branch off into the comedy world uh, and uh, hosting. And sure enough, he did a great job on Feud, and and, uh, I had my own career. And 
So the boys from the Midwest do good, you know? That's right. And like I said, I was watching Ray during the day at my grandma's house, and I was watching you at night on Nickelodeon. I mean, like I said, that, <laughs> that was my childhood. Now, let me ask you this. I see being a game show host, you also like to be a contestant on game shows, Super Password, Lingo, Pyramid. What are some of your favorite game shows to play along with? Well, I think my favorite show of all time uh, would have to be Pyramid. I just think it's the purest. There's a great play-along factor. I love the energy of, you know, coming down to the wire and, you know, grabbing all the money at the end. I don't know. I just think it's, uh, it's got all the elements. I mean, Price has obviously been around forever. Match Game was more of a comedy show than it was a, uh, you know, a true game. Uh, so I can give you, uh, you know, the rhyme and reason as to why each one stands out and why I like one better than another. But um, but Pyramid would I would have to say is my favorite show. One of my favorite game show hosts of the classic time, uh, Mr. Wink Martindale, I was lucky enough to have him on the show last month and some fascinating stories. He also started out in radio. Um, who are some of yep. your game show idols? Like who, who kind of shaped who you became as a game show host? Well, you know, if you watch the tonight show, you would see Johnny do bits of Johnny or uh, bits of um, Groucho. He do bits of Jack Benny. He do bits of Jonathan winners. And I, I, I think probably Johnny Carson, I would run home from school and he was doing a show called who do you trust on ABC at three thirty every day. So Johnny influenced me big time. But I would come home from my nursery school class, Miss Helms, my nursery school class back in Indianapolis, and turn on Bob Barker doing um, Truth or Consequences when it was on NBC. And coincidentally, the first big job I had in show business when I moved to L.A. Uh, was a, as a writer on Truth or Consequences. So I thought I had died and gone to heaven. There I was with Barker and doing a show that I you know, would watch all the time. So I would say that Johnny and, and Bob were two influences of mine. Bob I ended up working for on several projects, and we became friends throughout the years. Uh, Carson I interviewed once and uh, got to meet him. Um, and, and so I guess those would be the, the most influential hosts for my money. So I lived in Indiana for five years. Um, I moved down and I was in Evansville for a while. You're an Indiana boy yourself. Um, when you started yep. in radio, was it Indianapolis? WBMP in Elwood, Indiana. I was doing weekend 6 to 11, playing 101 Strings in Montevani. Now, this was 1966, <laughs> 67, okay? And uh, I was ripping Reed uh, off the UPI uh, deal, and, and, you know, I couldn't pronounce half the words because I was an idiot. Um, and then I, I was being driven up by a guy who was uh, basically the engineer, and uh, he lost his job. And when he lost his job, I didn't have a ride, so I, I had to give up the job. And some young guy by the name of Dave Letterman took my place. Are you kidding me? <laughs> wow. Absolutely true. Yep. So you started in radio. Uh, you were replaced by David Letterman. Now let's forward uh, past Double Dare, as a matter of fact, because it involves Double Dare. But OCD, first of all, I just want to say to you, uh, kudos for bringing that story out to the public. Uh, that's something that you could have easily battled uh, with, you know, on a personal level with your friends, family and whatnot. But to bring that uh, to the public and to your fans, I mean, you've got to have fans that are out there and uh, to know that they're not alone. You know, as a matter of fact, you of all people uh, are dealing with it. Now, how? Here's the question I have with that now. How were you able to do a show like Double Dare where there's just mess everywhere when you're struggling with that inside? Are you able to just shut it off when the cameras are rolling or, or how did that work? You know, I was because when I auditioned, I had no idea about all the mess and all the swap. Uh, basically, I was asking questions and we did some physical challenges that weren't messy. 
So I walked in the studio the first day in Philadelphia, and here was the obstacle course. And I said, well, what is this? And I said, well, if you, you win the game, you run eight obstacles in 60 <laughs> seconds, you win prizes. And I saw this guy take this big vat of chocolate and some green stuff and pour it all over the Sunday slide. And I said, well, why is he doing that? And he said, well, the kids will get messy. And me, having no idea, once again, what was going on, I said, well, do you think kids really want to do that? Well, of course, I was 100% wrong. Uh, they, of course they wanted to do it. And, you know, you wait your whole life to get a job. I, I've, I had been auditioning for shows from the time I got to L.A. in um, – 73, and this was 1986, 13 years. So I wasn't going to let anything stand in my way. Right. And, and keep in mind, I had not been diagnosed with OCD. I didn't even know what it was. I just internally kept this stuff within me and right. didn't want to talk about it because I thought five people think I was crazy. And um, somehow I was able to overcome it because, you know, it's mind over matter. Uh, and, and, it, and it worked out. You know, I hate reading stuff online. You know, the Internet is full of crap. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, Summers hated every minute of his job. He never had fun. No, I had the most fun in the world. I, I can't imagine, you know, actually doing that Monday through Friday and then getting a check at the end of the week. I would have done it for free. Um, <laughs> so, it, you know, I, there were never any issues. I was going to say, you clearly, you, you were enjoying doing what you do. I mean, from a standpoint of a fan, you look like you're having fun. I mean, even now. And uh, let me ask you this. You had great jokes always, but do, you've got kids now. Does it do? You, have, has your dad joke repertoire just gotten so big, like it just built into the show now? I love it. It is. Well, you keep in mind now. I have a grandson, for God's sake. Yeah. And so I, you know, I have to, I have to entertain him. And so um, I got the best compliment in the world. The teacher did, did a review of my grandson the other day, and they said he had the highest form of. A sense of humor of any kid his age she'd ever seen. She said, "I he plays jokes on the kids all the time and does shtick with them, and the kids don't even know what he's doing." I'm thinking, <laughs> "Well, thank God it's being passed through the genes, you know." Um, yeah, it just it was something that started. I, look, Soupy Sales was my idol when I grew up as well, and I became close friends with Soupy. And you know, he did pies and, and silliness, and in many ways, I'd become what what Soupy was in uh, 2000, uh, you know, 19. But it's all been good, and you know I, I'm always proud of the fact that I've been able to do TV that moms and dads and kids can sit down and watch together. I've never been ashamed of anything I've done, and, and that makes me feel really good. You were really one of the driving forces behind the launch of the Food Network. Clearly, people know you from the show Unwrapped, but I don't know if they realize yep. how involved you are with many other popular shows, uh, Dinner Impossible, Restaurant Impossible, Food Feuds. That's not just a Food Network show. That comes from Mark Summers Productions. How cool is that to have your name on a production company making all this uh, this fun entertainment? Well, it's pretty cool. You know, uh, Dinner Impossible, we did about 90 episodes, and then uh, he did about 160 of Restaurant Impossibles, and it's been on the shelf for about three years. And they just brought it back this past Saturday, and uh, it's doing great. Um, it was the highest-rated show in four years uh, on a Saturday night at Food Network. And, you know, it's fun to be a part of something that you create and uh, grow and nurture. And uh, certainly Irvine brings a lot to the table. People tune in or want to see him bark at people and order them around. But I think the best part of that show is we change people's lives we take people, hopefully, who have uh, had some problems in the restaurants, and if they listen to what Robert says, we can turn it around and hopefully change their lives and, and you know, make them money again and all that kind of good stuff. So, you know, it goes in with the pattern of doing programming that everybody can sit and watch and not be embarrassed. Uh, you know, I can't watch 
the Kardashian kind of crap that's on television. I'm, Thank I'm you. embarrassed even, uh, you know, I hate that stuff. Right. The, the fact that you even knew that name, I'm stunned. No, I'm kidding. Now, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that I could pronounce it. <laughs> right, exactly. So now, talking about creating and nurturing, uh, Double Dare and Mark Summers go hand in hand, those two names, but you were, you know, obviously hired to do that job. You weren't uh, a huge part as far as uh, getting it off and running, but now being the executive producer, I mean, is there anything that, that, that you guys used to do back in the day that you said, boy, if I was in charge, I'd do it differently, and now you guys do it differently? You know, pretty much stays the same. I, I want to stay true to the program. I mean, this week uh, we ran WWE specials uh, with some people from uh, superstars from WWE. We've got some SpongeBob uh, week uh, coming up in July and, and some specials along the way. Um, I think... The game works. Uh, you know, ask question, answer question, get check is the best version of any show. And on our show, it's ask question, uh, you know, answer question, either get check or take physical challenge, get messy, and then maybe get another check. Um, <laughs> and I think if you can announce a show or describe it in one sentence, that's why they work. Uh, when they become too complex and it takes five minutes of rules, then no. So we've kept it pretty true. Um, uh, Liza has been very open to taking direction. Uh, which she does very well. I mean, she's got a great comedic sense of timing, and that's been important for the program. So, no, I really didn't screw around with it too much. The people in Nickelodeon have been fantastic uh, to work with, and I was glad they were nice enough to bring me back, eh, and listen to me because I've got uh, 100 years of experience, and they were kind <laughs> enough to, you know, be open about that. And I was talking uh, with with Chad, my my game show guru geek, uh, who's uh, right to my to my right here in the studio. One thing that we noticed, the only and this is literally the only thing that we noticed that that might be different from back in the day, uh, is when you guys film the show. So I was on a television show back in the day on this young roundtable thing, and they started the clock, and from the time the show started, they had a clock running. When you went to a three minute break, they would just go to a black screen for three minutes. I mean, it was shot in real time. And it seems like now, sometimes, like, well, how did Liza get there so quickly? It's more like it's edited together. Um, so is that a restriction, that 30-minute restriction? Is that something that's a little more fluid now and you can spend a little more time on something if you need to? Is, is that the way it's being well, produced? Well, our, our shows used to be 24 minutes and 30 seconds. Now they're about 20 minutes and 30 seconds because they sell so much more ad time. Wow. Even mine has been 32 years. Uh, and we used to go pretty much uh, straight through. We would shoot a... Uh, half-hour show in about 45 minutes. But there are a lot more stop-downs now uh, because we're making bigger messes and it's taking uh, uh, heavier props to make the gigantic uh, impact on the kids and whatever. So it may take us an hour, hour 15 to do a half-hour show as opposed to back in the day. But, you know, that just goes with the progress of making it bigger and messier and grander and crazier. Uh, but it's still not bad. I used to shoot six shows a day. Now we're shooting four shows a day. Um, but you know, it's all relative. Here's a fun question. How, how old were your kids when the original run of Double Dare was on? Were they that age, teens? Six and three. Oh, uh, six okay. and three. Wow. And so now my son is an exec producer of Iron Chef at Food Network and, uh, Cutthroat Kitchen and a bunch of shows like that. Wow. And my daughter is a, uh, a uh, guru of all things to do with uh, uh, exercise and um, yoga and things such as that. But she's also an editor, and uh, she's starting to work on some uh, TV projects as well. So, um, you know, they're 35 and 38. <laughs> wow. Can you, see, I'm 40. I could be your kid, Mark. You could be. Maybe you are. <laughs> Where were you Maybe so I am. 
<laughs> so, so I guess this this wouldn't really apply because your kids might have been a little too young. But like back in the day, was there ever a time when you saw an obstacle out on that course and say, "Can I borrow that for the weekend just to take to my backyard for my friends?" To... <laughs> yeah, anything like that? Did you ever take the one ton human hamster wheel home just put it out in the backyard? <laughs> no, I never did. You know, because we originally shot the show in Philadelphia, and I've always lived in Los Angeles. Oh yeah, so, uh, it wasn't easy to commute things from uh, point A to point B. Um, so that was one issue. Um, but, uh, and then we, we did it in Orlando for a while and now we're doing it in Los Angeles, but I was never able to borrow the props. That would have been great. Can you imagine putting that in your backyard? Every kid in the neighborhood would have known that. <laughs> See, I thought a carnival ride might be overkill, but I mean, you know, down the hatch, come on. I know. It's amazing. Do you have a favorite obstacle of all of them? I would say the one, um, I always liked the gumdrop, uh, the, the giant gumball machine where you would climb a ladder on top and then jump into the gumballs and come down <laughs> on the bottom, which we're not using this time around. I wish we would uh, rebuild that. But I tell you, the cost of these things now is just insane. Right, right. So when you see the old show and you obviously you brought back the hamster wheel, you've seen down the hatch, but there's some tweaks and some upgrades. What do you think is the coolest obstacle upgrade from the original run? Hmm, good question. Um I would, you know, we, we didn't have Mount St. Doubledare, and that seems to be the last one on every show. Right. And some people are comparing it to the Agro Crag in uh, Guts. Yeah. And it has that sort of feel to it. Right. Um, so I think that's probably the newest and most popular ones. Everything else that we brought back is pretty darn similar to what we did back in the day. Right. I like how you add the slime to the hamster wheel as it's filling up instead of the lights. Oh, That's yeah. just a nice, nice little touch. We talked briefly about WWE, uh, and which which was nice, a full circle from the uh, Super Sloppomania with the WWF back in the day. But my family and I were watching last night, and we saw that $10,000 prize given out on the obstacle course. Is that the biggest prize you guys have ever given away on Double Dare for the obstacle course? Yeah, it yeah. is. I think that kid walked away with, you know, $16,000, $18,000 all said and done, uh, which is pretty amazing. Um, yeah, they decided we did 40 episodes where we gave away prizes, and focus group said, you know, kids wanted money. So that's what we did, <laughs> and uh, they seemed to – to love it. My favorite episode of all time was uh, Super Sloppomania 1 with Bobby the Brain Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon. That, that's the classic of all time as far as I'm concerned. I love that. It was funny. Uh, uh, Chad and I were just talking about that too. Here's another fun thing I wanted to ask you. How long did it take for you to realize that the ball in the cup did not work uh, to get your voice on the air because it was not in fact a uh, microphone? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, a little too long. Uh, that was awesome. <laughs> that's pretty funny. That's I love it. pretty funny. I love it. So you guest hosted on Scrabble. What was that like? Well, yeah, that's a funny story. Um, I'll tell you what happened on that. Um, I had just gotten, you know, known a little bit doing uh, hosting on, on Double Dare. And Bob Noah, who was the exec producer of uh, Scrabble, calls me and says, um, I, I, I want you to be on. We're doing favorite game show hosts. And would you be on Scrabble? And I went, oh, yeah, that'd be amazing. He said, okay, I'll, I'll sign it up. I just have to clear it by uh, NBC. So he called me back a half hour later, and he said, I have good news and bad news. I said, okay, what's the bad news? He said, well, you haven't been on television long enough to become considered America's favorite game show host. So oh, they turned you down. They said there's no way they'll allow you to be on as a guest. But when I told him I wanted uh, Woolery, to play the game, and I needed somebody to host it. And they said, well, he can host it. He just can't be on as one of the favorite games. <laughs> so it actually worked out best. I mean, typical dumbass network executive <laughs> making a decision 
that, that makes no sense, but it worked in my favor. Yeah. Uh, and so I got to host, uh, you know, a week of Scrabble, and every time uh, Willery was playing the game, I was out there hosting it. So that was a ball. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, you believe that when when he uh, did not stay with Wheel of Fortune and for it to go on that long, has there ever been something like that where you've been offered a position and you decided not to take it and then come to regret it later? No, I, I've never been. Uh, no, I, I, you know, I wish I had some great story like they offered me American Idol, and I said that'll never work. But no, I, I, um, <laughs> I, I've never been offered something that you know Dustin Hoffman went and did made a hundred million dollars with. You know, right. I, I've, I've always been uh, you know doing either stand up or uh, talk or, or game kind of television, and uh, you know, Willery I think just wanted too much money, and Merv said no, and. He said, we've got this guy who does the weather in L.A. His name is Pat Sajak. We're going to put him on and uh, worked out for Pat. Wow. No kidding. No kidding. So you were also a substitute announcer on the Joker's Wild. That's that's also got to be fun because, like I said, when you think of great game show hosts, I do. I think Wink Martindale. I think Mark Summers. I don't think of announcers. And then, like I said, you obviously do a lot of announcing slash narrating on Unwrapped. But on Double Dare, I mean, it's just so natural. You've, you've got that going as well. So that was your first time announcing on uh, the, the Joker's Wild. How much prep time do you get when you fill in for something like that? Do you get to practice at all? Or is it <laughs> well, just on that one, uh, that one, no time at all. Literally, somebody was sick. They came down to the Pages Lounge. I was a page at CBS. They said, who's got some broadcast experience? I said, I do. And they said, get up there. Uh, so that was the, you know. Right place, right time kind of situation, and that's how that happened. Wow! Um, I did um, a show for ABC called Bruce Forsythe's Hot Streak, where I announced on that, and uh, you know we had uh, full rehearsal and, and plenty of time to, to prep, so that one was easy. But yeah, I've, I've done uh, announcing a fair amount over the years, and uh, also a good way to make a living. So uh, speaking of the Joker's Wild, Snoop Dogg has brought that show back, and there's just a ton of game shows. Uh, classic game shows that are coming back. As a matter of fact, I saw Pressure Luck is uh, coming back. Not not whammy, but the actual Pressure Luck. Um, so when you're seeing some of these shows that that have come back after being off the air for years, even Family Feud, a show that's been on the air virtually nonstop since the 70s with that uh, short stint in the late 90s, what do you yep. think when you're watching these shows? Are they being, like you said, being true to the original? Um, do you think, like, the new version of Match Game is being true to the original, or do you think that they're taking it a little too far? Well, nobody can beat Gene Rayburn. With all due respect, uh, Alec Baldwin. Right. Gene owned that show. I was the head page on that show, and I sat there and watched hundreds of episodes, and it was a combination of the, you know, quasi celebrities, and Mark Goodson was the king of picking people. Who, right. You know, Charles Nelson Riley and, and those folks that just worked. Um, yeah, you know, they started Card Sharks again, and uh, I don't know who's going to host uh, Pressure Luck, but, um, you know, now you have to be a movie star to even get a chance to do those things. Right. There's no chance um, and, for me at it, all, is there, Mark? Well, no chance for me either. I mean, literally, uh, they're not hiring guys like me. They they want, you know, they want movie stars to host it because these guys are making a ton of dough in one day coming in and, you know, going home and, uh, you know, love the work because it's it's fairly easy for them. Um, so, I, you know, I'll be curious to see. I know they changed uh, pressure luck a little bit. I'll be curious to see in what way. Certainly the graphics are better and technology is so far advanced from the Tamarkin days. So, uh be curious to tune that in. But, you know, Fremantle is the king of all game shows right now, and pretty much everything they touch turns to gold. In fact, they're involved with Double Dare, and 
uh, nice group of people, and uh, and they're hitting it out of the park on a, on a daily basis. I love sets. I love game show sets. Um, the only set that I don't like is the pilot episode of Family Feud when the board was a square and it was completely ugly and ugh. Um, but <laughs> when you watch some of these, you are a nerd. Man. I, I know, I know. So when you when you hear like, okay, um, I heard for a minute they're working on a, a reboot of The Naked Gun, and it worried me because. Who's going to take over something like that from Leslie Nielsen? I love Ed Helms, but it turns out something like that ended up fizzling. So when you hear something from your childhood is going to be brought back, a part of you cringes and worries a little bit. Yeah. And when I saw Double Dare, I saw the new set. It looks so much like the old set. I love even the scoreboard in the background. It's not a digital scoreboard. I mean, it is, but it's not like yours where the things are actually flipping around. Right. So when you're watching all these old sets, like I'm talking back in the day when the Family Feud board actually flipped. I mean, you were a page in in days like that. Were there ever funny things behind the scenes? Like there's got to be some great like malfunctions that never got to air, but you guys were dying backstage. You know, I never saw it happening. You know, occasionally on price, uh, something would flip or they'd open up the uh, refrigerator door and, and uh, the refrigerator was tipping over, and they they pretty much kept tape rolling unless you know somebody's uh, life was in danger. But I never remember anything of of danger, you know. I, and I worked on sitcoms. I worked on Mary Tyler Moore and uh, Rhoda and Bob Newhart. Um, I, I worked on the last episode of uh, Sunny and Cher uh, when I was a page over at CBS. I worked on Carol Burnett. I worked wow. on All in the Family. Um, and so I got into the last part of real show business, I think. Uh, but as far as, you know, people are saying, you know, tell me the funniest thing that ever happened. Uh, believe it or not, there's not that many of those things that, uh, that occur, at least not in my uh, lifetime. Being backstage, you literally watched, I mean, countless television shows, classic television, America, Icona, happening before your eyes. When you saw, like, when we see some of these funny moments, what was the best reaction that, that the television just couldn't even couldn't even portray how hard the audience was laughing or maybe even the stars after the the cameras stopped. Was there ever a moment like that that really stands out? You know, um, there was an episode on Double Dare where they had this little man in a boat. And for some reason, we had shot, I don't know, 150 episodes in 10 days. And I was a little loopy and couldn't figure out what planet I was on. (laughs) And they put this little man on a boat at each obstacle. And I don't know why, but it made me laugh. And the next thing you know, Jeffrey Darby, our tech producer, kept picking up that little man on the boat and placing him in each obstacle. And it's on, if you go to YouTube, you, you can find it. And for some reason, I just lost my mind. I, I couldn't <laughs> breathe. I couldn't, I just couldn't stop laughing. The audience was, you know, and it becomes contagious. And, right. and the audience was with it. And it was fun. Why that happened, you know, it, it was a spontaneous moment. Um, you know, I go back to the one that I always hear where uh, on the old I Love Lucy show when Lucy had a bunch of eggs stashed in her, you know, blouse and <laughs> she was dancing with uh, Ricky and he smashed in the eggs broke. And they said it was like 30 or 45 minutes, uh, uh, 30 or 45 seconds of laughter. And the one that I heard that was the longest is on the old Dick Van Dyke show when uh, Laura thought they had the wrong baby. Uh, and the whole episode was about, uh, you know, we have to exchange the babies. And he knocked on the door and it, it was a, a, a black couple that, that came. And so uh, <laughs> back in 1963, that was revolutionary. Right. That, you know, according to Mel Brooks or I'm sorry, Carl Reiner, that, they you know, two minutes of laughter or something, whether that's true or not. I don't know. Um, but I can't remember anything else, you know, like that happening on any shows I've done, quite honestly. 
Okay. Here's one. I, I have a very weak stomach now that I've gotten older. As a matter of fact, I'm a huge fan of Gotham, and some of that stuff, I couldn't. I just couldn't watch it. Now, as gross and sloppy as Double Dare is, it's never in bad taste. There's never anything that, you no. know, whatever. Has there ever been something where you're just like, whoa, guys, maybe we need to dial it down a bit? <laughs> there was one time, for some reason, if you open up a can of dog food, I just start puking in about a nanosecond <laughs> and they tried to do a physical challenge once in orlando where they had dog food and they brought it out and i literally had to leave the studio and i said i, I can't do it i just there's just no freaking way i could do this thing so they had to switch it out and we never did uh, dog food again but man that's why uh whenever we've had pets it's always been dry food because uh, the smell of uh, oh i can't do it are you a dog person or a cat person actually i like both i've had uh, both uh and uh I don't know. I, I kind of like them both. I, I like little dogs. I like dogs that sit in my lap and, you know, look at me and smile and right. uh, lick my hand or whatever. Um, and we've had probably more cats than dogs, but uh, I, I like them both. All right. So my daughter, uh, she's at that perfect age where everything I do embarrasses her. Uh, and even when that's why I study your jokes, I put them in my back pocket. I whip them out in front of her friends if I can. I came up with one. I want to bounce it off you. Now, it might, someone might have already thought of this, but I just like this. What do you call a waffle that burps? One more time. What do you call a waffle that burps? I have no idea. A Belgian waffle. Oh, no, that's fantastic. Come on. <laughs> I'm stealing that from you. I, I'm, I'm stealing that. Take it, please. Oh, my God. I look forward to seeing it. <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> So now uh, we have a contest that we do here. It's normally the 420 contest where I make you list four things in 20 seconds because you're Mark Summers. I, I don't think that you're not going to do it in 20 seconds, but we're going to give you 30 seconds on the clock. So here we go. What time is it? 420. Do you think that smoking drugs is cool? It's just Bob's 420 contest. 103.9 The Fox. I need you to give me at uh, rapid, rapid uh, fire pace here. Four dad jokes in 30 seconds. Go! Wait, 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 wait. Uh, Hold on, wait, wait, wait. I did it it wrong. I did it wrong. I did it wrong. Hold on, what? On your mark. Get set. (laughs) Go! Uh, What do you call... um, Why do do, uh, golfers wear two pairs of pants? Why do golfers... I don't know. In case you get a hole in one. Um, There's one! Oh, yes. Uh, how do you tell... Oh, man, I know this joke. I can't get uh, too much pressure here. Um, uh, um, I'm failing this terribly. Um, <laughs> I've been doing these dad jokes for 100 years, and for some reason I can't think of uh, uh, anything uh, off the top of my head here. Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm... I'm, I'm uh, yes, I know. Well, that's I'm the pressure. Failing. I'm getting old. What when can I tell you? The, when the clock starts running, man, I know, I know, the pressure's on. So don't worry. I don't want to. I don't want to put you on the spot. So let me ask you this though. Um, one thing that I asked Wink Martindale when I had him on the show. You remember Beat the Dragon at the end of Tic Tac Doe, the big bonus round. Yep. I asked him yep. in development or anything. Did you ever get the chance to play it? And he told me no. So I was able to let Wink play Beat the Dragon. I don't have an obstacle course set up here for you, but I do want to ask you the same question. Have you ever been able to go through the entire obstacle course, not just to demonstrate it, but timed to see if you could do it in 60 seconds? Have you ever done that? Oh, yeah. Harvey and I did an episode where Jim J. Bullock was the host, and Harvey and I were on a team, and I forget who was opposite, opposite against us. But, um, but yeah, we actually ran the course and did it uh, in under 60 seconds, and uh, 
I've actually done it a few times uh, throughout the years on various shows, but the one with me and Harvey was the one that uh, stood out because I, I realized how out of shape I was and how out of breath I was, and <laughs> I knew that it was difficult, but I, I, I appreciated when the kids pulled it off more than ever, that's for sure. When you were doing Double Dare and you have all this gack and gunk and food, basically, is that what sparked the idea for all these food shows? <laughs> No, one had nothing to do with the other. In fact, though, once again, everything that's happened in my career has been a mistake. Um, <laughs> I was in, as a producer, pitching uh, a chef to do a show, and they kept asking me, well, why don't you do a show? And I, I said, why would I do a show? I, I don't know nothing about food I have. Anyway, I ended up getting a show called It's a Surprise about surprise parties. A uh, surprise was nobody was watching, and um, they canceled it. But then I started doing Unwrapped, which became one of the longest-running series there, and then one thing led to another. But one, uh, you know, Some part of my life, I I threw green liquids at 11-year-olds, and, uh, you know, we had food involved. And then the last part of my uh, life over at Food Network, I was, uh, you know, talking about the history of Twinkies and uh, Ding Dongs and uh, Tootsie Rolls. So it's all been fun. I've I've not had a bad day, uh, believe me at all. Do you honestly, though, like, love food? I mean, clearly you have so many shows that are food-related that you're uh, executive producing on. Um, You must have a thing for food. I do. I, I do love it. Uh, and when your friends are Bobby Flay and, well, you know, Michael Simon and, you know, various people who work over at Food Network um, and you get to eat at fantastic restaurants and travel the world and use the, hey, I'm the guy on Food Network, uh, you get seated quickly and you get brought out more food than any human should be allowed to eat. So, yeah, I, I become a big fan and, and have learned so much. My son is a fantastic chef. I mean, working on Iron Chef all those years, uh, you pick up stuff, right. and and he's a, a phenomenal uh, cook. But uh, my wife is a better cook than I am, and and I I barbecue, but she does most of the cooking. But yeah, I'm a, a big fan of the people who pull this stuff off and and do it so well. Mark Summers, I can't tell you how much fun this has been uh, chatting with you here. So much fun to have you on the show. We're looking forward to seeing you in Detroit with the live stage show, uh, getting the whole gang back together. Robin, I can't wait to see her. She's I had a crush on her back in the day. I'm not gonna lie. Well, she looks exactly the same. Let me tell you. Okay, don't tell my wife. All right. Well, Mark, I can't give <laughs> enough for your time. Tell Liza and the whole crew over there, Double Dare, we'll be watching. Keep up the great work. And again, man, thank you for your time. Thank you. You guys have a great weekend. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Again, get more at JeremyFennec.com. We've got videos to go along with everything that we've talked about, uh, including... Yes, man in a boat at jeremyfennick.com. Subscribe on YouTube. Be sure to like us on Facebook and be sure to also subscribe to the podcast. And we'll talk to you here really soon with another one of Jeremy Fennick's Classic Conversations.